Welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Robles, and today we're going to talk about the initial reviews from the Mac Studio, the iPad Air, iPhone SE, and iOS 15.4 launched publicly as well. We're going to cover all of that, and this episode is brought to you by our friends at Collide, Helix Sleep, ZocDoc, and Fast Growing Trees. You'll hear about them in a moment. Joining me this week to talk about all the different devices, my friend Wes Hilliard. How's it going, Wes? Uh, pretty good, Stephen. Uh, I want you to join me in mourning the Apple car as uh, we found out yesterday that the team has basically been dissolved. So yes, I don't, I don't know about you, but I'm sure William is just devastated over there. I don't know. He still might try to call it uh, every Apple event. I don't know, just in case Apple pulls a one more thing. But yes, I had that in the in the notes. Analyst Guoming Chi actually reported, which he actually has a Twitter account now. He's just kind of tweeting some some stuff randomly. An official, like real Twitter account. Like he it, it's he's not being held hostage. It's him. We verified right. and it's very strange. Yeah, it's been verified by everybody. So it is actually Guoming Chi. You've heard us talk about him many times. He's an analyst, but he usually has a bunch of Apple leaks, very specific leaks, typically. So you can actually follow him on Twitter now if you want to. But he actually reported that the team working on the Apple car has been dissolved. And I don't know if he said that Apple's trying to regroup that team. But even if they do it in a timely manner, probably not looking at a 2025 launch, which was already, I mean, who knows? Uh, what What he said was they need to regroup soon to hit that 2025 deadline right meaning they haven't yet so who knows what's happening with that yeah so uh we'll pour one out for both the apple car and the 27 inch imac which i'm pretty sure we covered on the last episode but you know apple said it is discontinued as far as the model that we knew for a long time we'll talk a little later about what we expect to see for the remainder of 2022 as far as devices but i think that's one we're not going to see this year even in an imac pro body or naming branding. I think that's not this year. Anyway, we'll get to that. Let me give out some five-star review shout outs. All these people left us five-star reviews in Apple Podcasts. Thank you to these people. And you can still do it. We'll continue doing these shout outs for the next several weeks. But Hiram921 from USA, Ashley J from Great Britain, Ward McGuire from USA. He actually said Friday is his favorite day of the week because of this show, which was a nice thing to say. And Seymour from Australia. We got some international listeners here. Lee Cantwell from Manchester, D. Henry 99 from Panama, new country there. I don't think we've had a review from Panama yet. Tans from the USA, El Wordy, Lekra Maxel, and Yenver, all from Germany. Three listeners from Germany this week. That's pretty cool. And Orion the Krusen from Denver, Colorado. Man, so many five star reviews. Thank you guys for that. And some interesting uh, usernames on top of that. Yeah. <laughs> I forget. How are those usernames generated? Because I don't think you choose those, do you? Or is it just your Apple ID? I think it's your Apple ID because I'm pretty sure if I comment, it just says uh, Wesley w- Hilliard or whatever. So it's okay, it's really okay. weird. Yeah, I, I didn't use my uh, Yahoo Messenger uh, name when I made my Apple ID. So, <laughs> Oh, what a, are you going to reveal what that Messenger name was here on the air? Oh, God. Um, I don't even remember. I, I mean... Steven, we're like the same age. That that was when I was a child, basically. So I'm pretty sure I'm a little older than you. Well, you're like three years older than me. Okay, but. okay, okay, okay. I mean, I remember my AOL Instant Messenger name, which I think I still have access to that AOL account. But my username, I know I'm going to get heat for this on Twitter. Listen, I made this when I was in like fifth grade. So everybody just calm down. But my AIM username was Emperor SR. I don't know why. I don't know where that came from. So I was definitely uh, the alt rock uh, Lincoln Park kid who. <laughs> so my like early days 
uh, usernames, Yahoo, whatever, what have you, was like Shadow Eleven, okay, which is terrible. Yeah, it was awful. Um, it's exactly <laughs> what you imagine it is. Just me listening to Avenged Sevenfold in a hoodie, so <laughs> a black hoodie, right? Black be. hoodie, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. All right. Well, all the initial reviews for the devices that Apple announced at their peak performance event have come out. We'll probably keep some of our powder dry, specifically for the Mac Studio and Studio Display. Because the way we record these podcasts, there's no way to release it both on Friday and record on Friday when the devices drop. But I should have a Mac Studio arriving Friday. Did you have anything coming on launch day? Uh, I ordered the uh, Studio Display and I got that black okay. magic trackpad because that was a must. So Okay. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Everyone's making a big deal about the black magic accessories, the magic trackpad, the magic keyboard. I guess they've never been able to be purchased individually. Nope. Right. Because they came with the iMac Pro and the Mac Pro. And even then, those were different. Um, Got right. The new devices have rounded corners. Uh, they're mm. sl- they look like Mac Windows now versus before they were squared off. Well, they they had like slightly rounded corners, but they were more square than anything. Right. These ones are definitely more rounded. But I, I like the design, and the Magic Mouse is a different design too. Even though the other one was black, this one's more of a two tone black, where the uh, you can see the Apple logo a little bit better. But yeah, it's okay. I wouldn't get the Magic Mouse. Uh, I don't know anyone who's in the market for that guy, but um, <laughs> yeah, that the magic trackpads uh, just really well built and yeah, $130, my goodness, but it is the only trackpad on the planet I could even think about using. Cause I don't think anyone else makes a trackpad like Apple's as good as they do. So Apple has the best trackpads for sure. So, well, that's cool. So studio display next time you're on, we definitely have to talk about that. I will be discussing the Mac studio, of course. Yeah. And now what are you replacing the, uh, your current display with the studio display? Yes. Uh, so I'm actually going to basically redo my entire desk, which is going to be great. I'm going to unwire everything and just start from scratch. I'm even moving the keyboard tray to the other side of the desk. It's going to be a whole thing Whoa. just because I want to face a different direction and see what that looks like. That's cool. Yeah. Cause it's an L shaped desk. I'm sure you've seen photos of my desk. It's yes. it's on the internet. Uh, you guys can find it on Twitter. Um, <laughs> it is. I, I post about it all the time. Cause I just, I'm really proud of this desk. I like my office setup. I'm really happy with it. So I'm always going to be chattering on about it. No, no, it's a, it's a good setup. I'm, I'm curious, which studio display did you get? Because you have the tilt, the height adjust and tilt and the nano texture. Which combination of those did you go for? I think I ignored your first question. I'm not, I am replacing my monitor because uh, oh, this sure. thing is a hot pile of uh, garbage. <laughs> but um, well, it's it's nice, but I'm I'm not a gamer. It's got a hundred and like whatever, 40 refresh rate uh, and it connects over display port and it costs mm. $900 for some reason in 2020. Uh, when I bought it, I don't, I don't understand this thing. It, it's supposed to be HDR, but I can't use the HDR mode because the screen gets darker when I turn it on. So it's just like, why huh? is this even an option? <laughs> it's not good. Yeah, it's just, it's an LG, uh, the LG Ultra Gear 9 something it's fine okay but it's uh, we'll talk about it in a second i don't mean to ramble but it's just one of those things where people say oh yeah the studio display is it really the worth the value it's like show me another monitor like this monitor on the market within this price range and i'll shake your hand because they don't exist the studio display i ordered is the base model i live in a cave my all of my my entire house is dark wood side wood paneling i'm not allowed to change it so very dark uh, in my rooms even with the lights on 
so no need for nano texture. And as far as the, the stand goes, I, I kept the regular stand. I, I've had IMAX before. I'm fine with just having the tilt. Um, I actually also ordered the 12 South high rise curve stand for the monitor so it can stand on that. And I can oh, yeah. like, put a PlayStation controller in the little uh, cubby hole that it has there. So that'll be neat. Keep that up elevated. But yeah, there was no reason to pay the extra $400 for the uh, tilt and angle height. Tilt and height. Yeah, stand. So no, no thanks. Yeah, it's unfortunate that is that much uh, as an upgrade, but exciting that you're getting that. So we will talk about what we actually have in hand next time we have it and we record a show. But to go to some of the reviews that came out, the first reviews of the Mac Studio actually dropped Thursday morning. I Justine, Renee Ritchie, and others. Peter McKinnon had a great video review of the Mac Studio. And so we'll link to our article that kind of rounded up all the video reviews. They said probably what you expect. It's ultra powerful, super fast. The Verge's video review discovered that when you look at the benchmark strictly, the Mac Studio, even with M1 Ultra, is underneath some of those other GPUs that Apple was comparing them to. But in real world editing, video, animation, all their creators found that it was extremely fast. A lot of those reviews also covered the studio display, but again, we will save kind of our in-depth thoughts on those. I'll be getting a Mac Studio next week before we record the next episode. Wes will have a studio display, and so we'll dive in further on those devices once we have them in hand and can kind of give you our own first-person thoughts on what we think of the Mac Studio and studio display. So stay tuned for next week's episode for more in-depth on those. The iPhone SE reviews, the embargo lifted Monday this past week, And basically all the reviewers kind of said similar things. First of all, the most powerful chip in any smartphone can be found in this, the cheapest iPhone that Apple will sell you now, which is the A15 chip. And so, of course, it has all the performance, great chip. Some interesting things it lacks is there's no night mode on the camera. Of course, you only have the one lens. You have two cameras, you know, on the iPhone 13, three on the iPhone 13 Pro. So, you know, you're not going to have as good of a camera on there. And you still have the Touch ID home button. You know, we all know what this phone is like. But all the reviewers said, hey, performance is great because it's using the same chip. A couple things of note, I feel like this would have been a good opportunity for Apple to introduce more colors in their cheaper iPhone line. And I remember, if listeners, if you recall, when Apple announced the iPhone 5C, that was the cheaper model of the iPhone 5. I think it came out the same time as the iPhone 5S. So you could either get the 5S or the 5C. And the 5C was the first time, it was really a variety of colors, like a wide variety, very vibrant colors. I feel like the iPhone SE would be a good place to actually do those colors as well, because you really don't get those vibrant colors. If Apple brought back a plastic phone, God forbid, I think color would belong there. It's just this, the iPhone SE is built to be the cheapest possible thing. So if there were any other colors, uh, it would it would add to the price, absolutely, because right. they are using this old case, old case design, so much so that when the, the three iPhones at Glyph came up on screen during the event, I was like, oh, they're still talking about the old iPhone SE. Nope, that's the new one. <laughs> it's identical in every fashion on purpose. Uh, there's a reason for that. Right. If you read uh, the article I wrote about the reviews and stuff, you, you can see that generally speaking, yeah, it makes sense. 429, that's fine. A little price increase. It's been, what, two years since the last iPhone SE. Yeah. Things get more expensive. Uh, you know, this thing has a nicer chip in it, 5G. The Verge and MKBHD both had the same sort of sentiment of, uh, why not introduce a new cheap iPhone design? Like, keep the Face ID flagship guy up here for the iPhone 14 or whatever, uh, but 
down below, why not try innovating a little bit? Because uh, you look at the rest of the market at the $400 price range, and you're seeing some different designs. It's all Android stuff. So, I mean, they're all going to copy what Xiaomi and uh, Samsung are kind of releasing out there. But they're getting more screen-to-display, ra- uh, screen-to-body ratio. They're getting different types of camera cutouts and stuff. So, it, it the question obviously is, is can they do that without sacrificing that low price? And I don't think they can. Right. And of course, that is the goal is to make it as inexpensive as possible. One other point, I Justine's review, when she did the unboxing, I don't know if any of the reviewer mentioned this, but the plastic cover on the screen of the iPhone SE, the new one, when you take it out of the box, there's actually small icons around the buttons. And there's like a power symbol next to the power button. There's volume things next to the volume buttons. There's even a little lightning icon on the plastic wrap over the lightning charging port to let the person know that this is where you charge the phone. And I thought that was fascinating because it's like Apple knows the people that buy iPhone SE phones or buy them for other people, maybe like for parents or grandparents, that they want that like very clear and specific directions of here's the volume button, here's the power button. And you don't see those icons even on iPhone 13 and definitely not on the iPhone 13 Pro when you unbox those. I thought that was an interesting detail and kind of gives a little hint at who Apple is targeting this phone towards. I've seen this before. Now, listeners can help me with this. I, I don't exactly remember. And who knows where you, I, I guess, unboxing videos. You could go look up uh, old unboxing videos. But th- this has been done on other devices, maybe iPads. Right. Because uh, I know I've seen this iconography on the tape. Maybe maybe not on iPhones. Maybe this is new to iPhone. But uh, I know Apple's been doing this for at least a, for the last couple of releases. Because I've bought the, the iPad mini and such. And I'm pretty sure it had the same decals on there. But yeah the consumer grade devices having that kind of makes sense. Now this would be next level. You know, I've been in conversations on Twitter, whether or not people keep their boxes for Apple devices. Now it would be next level listener reach out on Twitter. Our Twitter handles are in the episode description. If you also keep the plastic and paper wraps of your Apple devices in the boxes that you keep for the devices that you uh, buy. So I'd be curious if anybody has proof of iconography on the device plastic or paper wrap, send them over. We'd love to see them. This episode is brought to you by our brand new sponsor this week, Collide. That's Collide with a K, K K-O-L-I-D-E. So listen, maybe you're a small business, maybe you work at a big organization, but if you're involved in the IT of that organization, you have got to try Collide. Collide sends employees important, timely, and relevant security recommendations for their Linux, Mac, and Windows devices right inside of Slack automatically. Collide is perfect for organizations that care deeply about compliance and security, but don't want to get there by locking down devices to the point where they become unusable. You know, I actually do a lot of device management, but a lot of times it can be frustrating for employees because they don't access their devices like they expect to, or they don't have the right permissions to do certain things. Well, put the power of that security and compliance into your employees' hands and Collide will guide them through it. Collide educates them about security and device management while directing them to fix important problems. Visit collide.com slash Apple Insider to sign up today. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash Apple Insider. Enter your email when prompted. You actually get a free Collide gift bundle after trial activation. 
Collide can do things like seeing what files have been sitting in your client's download folder and make suggestions based on that. Maybe they need to put those somewhere or to remove those files. Collide will let them know right inside of Slack. Collide can instruct developers to set passphrases on unencrypted SSH keys, finding plain text two-factor backup codes and teaching end users how to store them securely, and it will even convince employees to uninstall evil browser extensions that may sell their browser history. Those are just some of the many use cases not solved by locking down devices. So again, you can try Collide with all of its features on an unlimited number of devices for free for 14 days, no credit card required. So try it out at collide.com slash Apple Insider. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash Apple Insider. Our thanks to Collide for sponsoring this episode and our friends at Helix Sleep. Listen, sleep is important, especially this time you might be stressing, might be anxious. Getting a good night's rest is critical so that you can get up the next day refreshed, get to work, be able to focus. You know, we don't typically think about upgrading our mattress, but it has such a huge impact on our quality of sleep. And I have to tell you, since I've been using a Helix mattress, I get an incredible night's sleep. Helix Sleep has a quiz that just takes two minutes to complete on their website, and it matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. I love that they ask me questions about how I like to sleep and then makes a recommendation based on that. Helix knows everybody's different and they have different mattress models to choose from. Soft, medium, firm mattresses, mattresses for cooling you down if you sleep hot. They have all of the different options that you need. I took the Helix quiz personally. I'm actually a side sleeper. I like a little medium firmness. Helix recommended the Helix Plus mattress and I've been I've had it for almost two years now actually and it is literally the most comfortable mattress I have slept on. And I've tried other internet mattresses. Helix Sleep is my favorite. So if you're looking for a mattress, take the quiz, order the mattress you're matched to. The mattress comes right to your door, shipped for free. You don't ever need to go to a mattress store again. Just go to helixsleep.com slash Apple Insider. Take their two-minute quiz. They'll match you with the mattress and you'll get the best sleep of your life. They also have a 10-year warranty and you get to try it out for a 100 nights, 100 nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but I know you will. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash Apple Insider. That's Helix Sleep, H-E-L-I-X sleep.com slash Apple Insider. Our thanks to Helix Sleep for sponsoring this episode. So moving on, the iPad Air review, the embargo lifted Wednesday. Again, lots of video reviews. Apple gave everyone, at least as far as I could tell, all the reviewers got the new blue color for the iPad Air. They also sent reviewers the white Magic Keyboard and Apple Pencil. Those we've seen before, those remain unchanged. There's nothing updated about those. But the new iPad Air, of course, the big news was it now has the M1 chip, has the updated uh, front-facing camera with center stage, and the USB-C port is a little faster. But notably, and I, I want to repeat this because it's easy to forget, what makes the iPad Air different from the iPad Pro 11-inch specifically that share the exact same body style, screen size, all that? When you go with the iPad Air, you're missing the second camera you get on the Pro, Face ID, ProMotion display, Thunderbolt, larger storage sizes. You can get iPad all the way up to two terabytes. And iPad Pro has four speakers instead of two. 
So those are the things that are missing from iPad Air. Steven, you're missing the most important feature. Oh. LiDAR is on the iPad Pro. Oh, uh, uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> LiDAR. For those who, you know, use LiDAR, I, I use LiDAR on my iPhone for sure. Like if I want to do an augmented reality, like piece of furniture or Apple's AR thing. But yes, also good point. LiDAR only on the pros. I think I've used LiDAR on the iPad maybe five times and I've owned every iPad with LiDAR. So uh, back to <laughs> what, 2019 when that first one came out. So yeah, the A12Z. It's neat. Uh, still wondering why it's kind of there. Like Apple never really gave us much of a story for that other than, hey, developers, you can kind of play with this before the iPhone comes out with LiDAR. But even then it right. was just like, eh, whatever. <laughs> right. So those are the features that are different and why one might go with an iPad Pro. What's interesting is once you get to pricing of the iPad Air versus the iPad Pro, iPad Air starts at $599 for 64 gigabytes, which is pretty small, especially for a $600 iPad. If you upgrade to 256 gigabytes, that adds another $150. So if you get the 256 version of the iPad Air, you're talking about $750. If you compare that to the 11-inch iPad Pro, that actually starts at $799. So there's only a $50 difference between the 256 iPad Air and the 128-gig iPad Pro. So there would be more storage in the iPad Air. You get less in the iPad Pro, but you get all those features. And I, I feel like that slim $50 difference is interesting. I mean, I don't know how else to describe it. I think that the iPad Air I think it's very compelling. It's probably the iPad most people should buy. But I feel like if it started at $499, which was the price of the original iPad, that it would be a little more compelling and easier to recommend. Being that slight difference, you know, most people don't care about promotion, maybe not even Face ID. But I just think it's interesting. It's so close in price. What do you think about that? Well, it it really just comes down to what you want out of device. I mean, the most compelling feature, I think, is promotion. Uh, yes, a Thunderbolt port is is nice on the iPad, but unless you're connecting things to the iPad, it doesn't like it doesn't matter. Right. Even charging that like you charging on a Thunderbolt port versus a USB C port isn't going to be noticeably different for users. So I I just don't see too many compelling reasons beyond promotion for the iPad Pro. Some people just can't even really see it or notice it. I don't know if it's like I mentioned before, I don't notice refresh rates even, you know, I, I notice when they're slow or laggy, but once we get past that 60 frames, yes, I can see when I'm making, like, it's kind of like making your brain aware of your nose at the end of your face. Like yeah, it, when I'm thinking about it, when I'm looking for it, I can see that it's smoother, when, that it's scrolling better. Yes, that it's less jittery when I'm scrolling Twitter or whatever, but it's not something that when I pick up my iPad mini, like something you said, I don't notice when I pick up the iPad mini and start scrolling Twitter or something, I'm just using the device, using the apps. But uh, you said, and other people have said that when they go from their iPhone or their, their iPad pro and then, and pick up something without promotion, they immediately notice it. And it's just, I'm, I'm wondering what the cross section is there, especially for consumers, especially for people buying the, like in the iPad air range, I don't think they're going to notice or even care. iPad air, I think is like a really compelling entry point for just having a good tablet experience M1 uh, and an iPad that's a great size. I had the last iPad Air and I love that form factor. I think the other thing is when it comes to refresh rate, promotion versus not, if you are a computer user and you use an external monitor most of the day, I know like you, the monitor you're using and even the studio display when you get that, it does not have a high refresh rate. It does not have promotion. 
And if you use a new MacBook Pro, but in clamshell with an external display, you're not looking at ProMotion a lot. I think, at least for me personally, because the iPhone 13 Pro has it, I'm on that a lot of the day. My 14-inch MacBook Pro, which I use as a laptop, looking at its screen most of the day, that has ProMotion. And my 12.9-inch iPad has it. I think when I'm using those three devices throughout a day, and then I pick up my iPad mini, I notice it for the first like 30 seconds because I'm probably going to Twitter or maybe something that I scroll like Safari and I notice it right then. After I've been using the iPad mini for 10, 15 minutes, it doesn't bother me anymore. Again, I edit all the podcasts, Apple Insider, HomeKit Insider. I edit them on iPad mini and it doesn't bother me while I'm editing them. Sometimes I wish it had promotion during that editing because I do notice if I'm going really fast back and forth. But for sure, like you said, if someone is not accustomed to ProMotion all the time or is even accustomed to it but doesn't notice the difference not using ProMotion, it is not a big deal. And so I agree, the iPad Air, if you, for some reason, have never had an iPad or you are looking to get an iPad this year, maybe it gets to the holiday season, what iPad should I get? There's not going to be a new iPad Air from now to the end of the year. This is the one to get. It has M1. The screen is still great, you know, even though it doesn't have ProMotion, it is still great. You can use it with the Magic Keyboard, which I love my Magic Keyboard for my iPad Pro. So this is the great iPad. Yeah, if if you're in the market for a new iPad or tablet and you're asking the question, which one should I get? The answer is iPad Air. Yeah. Um, because if, if you're asking the question you don't know, uh, the people who need the iPad Pro already know. I would say that if you're an artist and you're drawing a lot, if you're sketching and using the Apple Pencil a lot, ProMotion is essential and it brings that uh, refresh rate down. The lag between the pencil and the display is even, even right. lower uh, using that. So that's like the one huge difference there. So if you're going to do a lot of typing, if you're getting that magic keyboard, iPad Air is fine. But if you're definitely going to be doing a lot of art or drawing, the iPad Pro is the go-to. And I think that's the biggest difference uh, between the two. And a lot of people brought up um, what about the accessories? You know, once you buy a Magic Keyboard and an Apple Pencil, you're basically buying your your MacBook Air spending territory. And my answer to that is people who are buying iPads without any accessories whatsoever are not thinking about the MacBook Air. And people who already own iPads probably already have the accessories. If you're going to college or school of any kind and need a computer, you're probably getting a MacBook. But oh, yeah. if this is a consumption device, like for private use, for art, uh, for writing, blogging, stuff like that, those kinds of use cases, you're, you're already set if you're considering an iPad Air. Um, there's really no reason to consider otherwise. And the price of those accessories don't carry over to the next generation. Once you own them, and as long as you stay in the same size class, and as long as Apple doesn't say, here's an 11.5 inch iPad or anything like that, uh, you're good for a few years. So I, I don't think people are considering that. Yeah, and I think now that the accessories are kind of separated from ports and connectors, meaning the Apple Pencil attaches via magnets, it charges wirelessly, so you don't have to worry about lightning port versus USB-C. And the Magic Keyboard also uses Apple's own smart connector, I don't see any reason why they would go with a different kind of smart connector down the road. Like you said, I think it's safe to say those accessories will last you a while. The one use case that I think is interesting when you look at the iPad landscape, for my parents, they actually had a 2008 MacBook Pro for a long, long time. They used it just until a couple of years ago, and they were wondering what they should get. It was really slow. I already replaced the hard drive with an SSD. Like They got all the life out of it they could. And so I know their use cases, they really could do everything they need to do on an iPad. And so I was in the market to get them an iPad, but 
they wanted a big screen. And I thought that was the one thing of all the features that you could get in the iPad lineup, they would benefit from a big screen, especially if they want to make the text larger in accessibility and for legibility, readability, it would be good to have that bigger screen. And that's the one thing that you have to jump to the iPad Pro for. And I understand because that also has a completely different new screen technology now. When they got theirs, it was still like the A12Z. It was the same screen as the 11 inch. But that is the one thing that you can only get at the high, high end of the iPad lineup. I don't know if Apple would ever change that. People getting that large of a screen and only using it as their singular device. Maybe okay even paying that little extra because it's still cheaper than what a computer computer would have cost them. So I think that's just the only distinction that the lineup I think is is maybe not missing, but it's just interesting. Steven, I'm I'm gonna fix the iPad lineup right here for you. Okay. Okay. All right. So so you got the iPad at 329. That's right. I mean the in the iPad Mini, we you know the iPad Air. Okay. Uh-huh. Get rid of the 11 inch iPad Pro, just gone. We don't need it. Replace that price point 799 with a 13 inch iPad Air, and then have the iPad Pro. 12.9, 13 inch, whatever, and then have a 15 inch just because I want one. And then there you go. <laughs> iPad Studio. Right. That right. would be the iPad Studio. Listen, honestly, I think that is a good idea because when you look at the price differentiation from that, the 10.2 inch iPad, which is $329, and the iPad Mini, which is then $499, I understand the iPad Mini is the device in between base iPad and iPad Air, but it's not really because the screen size is the smallest of the lineup. And I feel like if someone's looking to get an iPad for anything but reading and watching video, which you can do a bunch of other things on it, they're going to be looking at either the base model iPad or larger, not more expensive, but just larger. So you have 329 for the 10.2 inch, and then you have $600 for the iPad Air. I think to your point, Drop the 11 inch Pro, make the 10.9 inch or what are they? It is 11 inch, right? The Pro is 11 inch. This is 10.9 inches because the bezel is bigger on the iPad Air. The body is the same, but the edge around the screen is a little bit bigger on the Air. Okay. But yeah, if they did something to drop that 10.9 inch Air to $499 and then, like you said, release a 13 inch iPad Air at that 79 price point, that'd be pretty attractive. I think that just makes a bit more sense in the lineup. And then that that larger iPad Air would have a standard display, non-promotion, non-mini LED. I think it would just be a good price point for a device like that. And then, of course, the true iPad Pro being one device uh, that is yeah. the Pro device with all of the fancy stuff, ProMotion. This is for the artists that want to use the Apple Pencil. This is for the laptop replacement people, you know, that kind of stuff. It goes up yeah. to two terabytes of storage. That And maybe even throw in an M1 uh, Pro chip in there at some point. But oh, yeah. it just, it feels like Apple's, uh, we'll, and we'll get into it in a minute with uh, their our, our leaks of the day. Uh, it feels like Apple is moving towards supporting more stuff in ipad os and wants this lineup to be more varied like the mac lineup because if you look at the mac lineup Mm. you know you go from macbook air at a thousand dollars to the mac studio at eight thousand dollars you got a pretty wide variety of things that you can do there right and i i think the ipad is still missing that kind of variety it's still a little bit stagnated in just here's four products and pick your storage and go home Mm -hmm. yeah So on that note, I have some more leaks we could do later, but I wanted to put this here because on Twitter, Leaker Majin Buu 
actually tweeted out screenshots of something that Apple is supposedly working on for maybe the next iPad OS. We're not exactly sure, but they're working on something called Apple Mixer. And it is a feature where when you have an iPad, apps will open in full screen, like when you tap it from the home screen like they do now. But when that iPad is connected to a keyboard, like the Magic Keyboard, apps will have the ability to get windowed like they would on macOS. And you could have multiple apps open in window-like frames that you could move around the screen and all that. And so this is something that, you know, some people have asked for, windowing in apps on iPad, a kind of upgraded multitasking experience. I think this is interesting. I'm not sure if this is exactly what I want from multitasking. Chris from Daily Tech, you know, we did an interview. He came on the show and he actually did a video on the new Samsung Galaxy Tab. And they actually have an interesting way where you can have three apps all on the screen at once, none in slide over. It is actually three apps on the screen. And you have one in like taking up the left half and then two apps taking up the right half, one in a quarter and one in a quarter of the screen. So three apps all present nothing slide over, nothing overlapping, and you kind of had that uh, three app breakout. So I, I feel like I would prefer iPadOS to go maybe that direction as opposed to standalone windows that you can then drag around. I feel like one of the attractive things about the iPad is that there is a limited amount of visual complexity where you don't have to worry about dragging windows to a very specific pixel on the screen. I think we're missing a piece of the puzzle here and that's display support because mm. iPad multitasking, love it or hate it, it's fine. Honestly, in, in some ways I prefer it to Mac multitasking, but because I, I don't want my windows to overlap pretty much ever just because <laughs> I don't want to go hunting for things. I want to see everything on the display and if I need more things, I'll make a new desktop and swipe over to it. And that's how I use my Mac and that's how I like the iPad. But as far as this leak goes, um, I think it makes sense that we would be able to basically pop out apps into these windows and that have them probably at set displays. They probably wouldn't be infinitely scrollable from small to big, uh, probably have specific sizes they can be set at to keep the app drawing and keep developers control over that to, you know, not make it too complex or too crazy. You probably wouldn't do this when you're just sitting at the iPad in the magic keyboard. I mean, you could get, you know, four five, six apps open at the same time, but this would make more sense on a display where it doesn't make sense given the dimensions of an app displayed on an iPad to be displayed at 16 by nine. So by popping it out into a window with preset sizes, you'd be able to have more control over where the app is displayed and have full access to the 16 by nine desktop area, basically. Right. I think that that would be the approach Apple would take in this situation. And this being limited M1 makes sense because I think Apple really uh, wants this positioned in the more niche market. Uh, they don't want people uh, with the you know school iPads connecting them to a, a monitor and wondering what the heck happened. So Right. And what you just said a second ago, I think it would be interesting as they add features like this, maybe an iPad OS 16 or in the future, but they could distinguish certain feature sets by saying this is only available on M1 iPads. And immediately that will then exclude iPad mini because that has the A15. It will exclude that base model iPad, which has the A14, I believe. And it will only be iPad Air and iPad Pro. And there have been features like this that have been distinct amongst the lineup. Again, when the first time the 12.9 inch iPad launched, 
If you did side-by-side -side apps on that size iPad, you actually got the full app experience as opposed to the 11-inch iPad. They would shrink down to their closer to the iPhone format app as opposed to iPad. And so totally get that there would be a difference, especially they could say just processor-wise, power-wise, or they might just use it as a distinguishing marker. This feature only on M1 iPads. I just think it would make sense now looking back, why Apple would put the M1 in the iPad Air as opposed to the A15. Right, and uh, having three iPads versus two on the market, wider price range, this feature makes more sense, yada yada. But on top of that, I think the M1 is also a factor here because it is a chipset built for Mac. And if I remember correctly, back when the M1 was announced, Apple was clear that this architecture was built with Mac OS in mind, with Macs in mind, and, mm. and how the system operates uh, and the RAM, I guess, RAM allocation such and such is based on the Mac. So it was very odd when Apple introduced it in the M1, the M1 to the iPad. I remember when that rumor started, and I was like, eh, it doesn't make sense because they specifically said this was built for the Mac. And now it's maybe coming full circle and making sense that the Mac is a windowed operating system. How it manages RAM is different. And now with this system in place, I'm sure that they would be able to leverage that Mac-esque you know, language to run this. Right. Basically not turning it into Mac OS, but essentially at the code level, not at the user facing level, but at the code level running it like Mac OS windows, which I think would make sense. Yeah. Well, continuing to talk about OSs, iOS 15.4, iPadOS 15.4, and macOS 12.3 all publicly launched on Monday this past week. It had the long-awaited universal control. Now it's available to everyone who can update to those operating systems. It added mask face ID unlock which is different than just the Apple Watch unlock with a mask. This is you can actually train your phone to unlock even if you have a mask on but don't have an Apple Watch, so that's on there. You can actually disable or turn off shortcuts notifications for shortcut automations that run either time-based or other triggers. You can stop having it notify you every time they run, which is incredible. I turned off all my shortcuts automations notifications, immediately noticed a downtick in the amount of notifications I was getting throughout the day. Also, side note, the Unity Lights Apple Watch face is now available to use in automations in shortcuts. There's an interesting Apple Watch recovery feature that we didn't know about before, but now there's actually a way where if your Apple Watch gets a little messed up, either in a resetting process or software update process, it can now use the iPhone as kind of a recovery device, much like you would use a Mac for an iPhone or iPad recovery. And there's a bunch of new emojis as well. Now I'm curious, Wes, did you enable the mask face ID unlock on your iPhone? No, there was no reason for me to. See, I did, same with me. You know, Apple kind of warns you it does lessen the security a little bit because it's basically taking a smaller portion of your face being used to identify you and unlock the phone. And because I have an Apple Watch, I feel like the unlock via Apple Watch works pretty well whenever I have a mask on. So I did not enable this feature. I'm glad it's there for sure. I'm sure a lot of people will appreciate this, especially those probably in the medical field who wear masks all the time, even outside of COVID times. But yeah, I didn't enable it either. If I didn't have an Apple Watch, I would consider it. But there's really no reason to do this if you have an Apple Watch, especially just because uh, the regular Face ID is more secure. And yeah, it just didn't make sense. And, and people are saying, you know, this is too late. I don't know. I don't know. I, we're still in the middle of this thing. The people there's still situations where you got to wear masks and it just makes sense that for people who 
you know, outside of middle Tennessee, you're probably going to find yourselves in situations where you might be covering your face for religious reasons because you work in medical professions, stuff like that. You know, there's a lot of situations in the military where you might be covering your face. So it's just one of those things where this is definitely the more convenient option uh, for those kind of people. And I'm glad it exists. I think it's a good idea that Apple worked on this, but you know, for obvious reasons, it didn't roll out immediately when the pandemic began, because why would they be developing this otherwise? <laughs> right, exactly. So I'm curious, you know, Universal Control is now out for everybody. You've been running the betas for a while. How has your use of Universal Control continued or changed? Do you use it on a regular basis? What's been your experience? Well, I'm, I'm using Universal Control right now. Okay. Yeah, so... I always like have the I'm recording on the Mac, but I have my iPad Pro open, so I'm not facing a screen when I'm recording or, or you know talking in the microphone. But I have the iPad open to our show notes and Safari. But you know I can reach up and touch every now and then. But I also have my hand on the trackpad on the MacBook, and I'm controlling the cursor on my iPad from my trackpad on the MacBook. So it's uh has its uses. It's just blended into my workflow. I don't even think about it anymore. It just works. Um, every now and then you have to poke it and remind it that it can connect to a nearby, nearby iPad. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah, it's great. Like I constantly am using it. I have my iPad mini on all day. I, it does require you to have the display on. You can't wake it up into universal control. Right. So I'll have like the iPad mini dimmed and it'll show me what music is playing on my home pods. Cause I, I pretty much always have some sort of jazz or ambient music playing while I'm working. So I don't have, you know, dogs barking outside bothering me. <laughs> yeah. Generally it's yeah, it's awesome. And I recommend anyone who's got an iPad and a Mac, just go and give this a shot right away. It's pretty magical. Very cool. I'm curious if I'm going to start using it more when I have a desk with room to like keep my iPad set up next to my Mac. And when I get the Mac studio next week, it should be, or hopefully this week, I'll, uh, I'll test it out again. Well, universal control is part of the reason why I'm rotating my entire desk setup. Uh, so yeah. I'm facing the other way because I have more horizontal desk space facing the other directions so i can have my monitor in the main desk and then i'm going to have my macbook on the right side my ipad pro on the left side and my ipad mini in the middle and that way they're all facing me in front of me because right now the ipad pro is to my left and i have to turn to see it and uh it's like that joke in the avengers when tony stark asks Samuel L. Jackson, uh, his character, he has some, he has, you know, how can he see all these displays? Oh, he turns his head. That sounds exhausting. And and, and it is. And uh, (laughs) yes, that's, that's funny. This episode is brought to you by ZocDoc. Listen, we all eventually have to make an appointment at a doctor. And if you're like me, you dread the process, trying to call, make an appointment. Now there's phone trees everywhere. Stuff is automated. You don't really get to talk to a person. Booking a doctor's appointment is painful, but with ZocDoc, it can make it refreshingly pain-free. And when you tell ZocDoc your insurance plan, it will actually surface doctors who you can be confident take your insurance. I actually use ZocDoc personally. It's a free app. I download it. I can search for doctors in my area. I can search for specialists. And I know that the doctors that I book will take my insurance and I can book it right there in the app. You can do telehealth or in-person meetings. You can read up on those doctors. You actually get verified patient reviews to see what other real humans had to say about their visit to that doctor. You just go to ZocDoc.com, Z-O-C-D-O-C.com. Choose a time slot, again, in person, or you could do a video visit. And just like that, you're booked with the appointment. You didn't have to call or talk to anybody. 
So find the doctor that is right for you and book an appointment that works for your schedule. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc, and I'm one of them. It's my go-to whenever I need to find and book a doctor. In the chaotic world of healthcare, let ZocDoc be your trusted guide to find a quality doctor in a way that is surprisingly pain-free. So go to ZocDoc.com slash Apple Insider and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then start your search for a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash Apple Insider. ZocDoc.com slash Apple Insider. Our thanks to ZocDoc for sponsoring this episode and fast-growing trees. Yes, you probably did not expect to hear about trees on the Apple Insider podcast, but I'm here to tell you about them because I've used fast-growing trees And listen, whether you're looking for plants indoors for your patio or you want to plant some outside, fast-growing trees is where you want to go. We're heading into spring. Summer is coming soon. Now is a great time to start planting those trees or bushes or plants either in potted or in the ground, and you can get your yard or your patio looking beautiful. When it comes to caring for your plants, know-how matters. That's why FastGrowingTrees.com has experts that curate thousands of plant varieties that will thrive in your specific climate, location, and needs. Plus, there's no waiting in lines. You don't have to get your car messy trying to get a plant from that local store. Plus, their growing and care advice is available 24-7. Whether you're looking for increased privacy, shade, or adding some natural beauty to your yard, Fast Growing Trees has the perfect plants and expertise to help you find them. Even if you've never had a green thumb, They'll make you feel like you do. One million home gardeners have already seen what FastGrowingTrees.com can do for them. Again, I've used Fast Growing Trees personally. One of the most fun plants was actually a Carolina Reaper plant. It is. A Carolina Reaper is a very spicy, it's a hot pepper. But me and my son, we like spicy stuff. So we actually ordered a Carolina Reaper plant from Fast Growing Trees. And then we got to actually eat the peppers in some fajitas. And it was a lot of fun. And so it's a fun thing to do as a family as well. Plus, with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, you can trust everything will be healthy for years to come. So go to fastgrowingtrees.com slash Apple Insider right now, and you'll get 15% off your entire order. Get 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com slash Apple Insider. That's fastgrowingtrees.com slash Apple Insider. Our thanks to Fast Growing Trees for sponsoring this episode. I also want to mention, we'll cover this more on HomeKit Insider on Monday's episode, but Apple TV was updated to 15.4 as well with a couple of cool features I didn't realize were coming. Confirmation for payments, like if you want to buy or rent a movie on Apple TV, you'll now be able to confirm that on your Apple Watch. Previously, you had to kind of take out your phone and do the password. So Apple Watch confirmation for purchases on Apple TV. HomeKit cameras can now be put in picture in picture. So like persistently, you can have a HomeKit camera just kind of sit there on the screen of your TV as you browse your different apps or start a movie or TV show. And you'll be able to connect to captive networks like hotels or networks that require you to like double accept in order to actually gain internet access on that Wi-Fi network. Apple TV will be capable of doing that too. Back before the end times, I would travel with a HomePod sometimes. (laughs) And I would connect the HomePod to my phone because guess what hotels are right. constantly asking you for codes yeah. and passwords so that's right yeah this would be awesome because especially because that was back when the home pod was around not the whole pod mini so i would carry an entire home pod to <laughs> a hotel room <laughs> okay let me let me explain for i sound like a crazy person uh-huh. this is because i 
frequently would go to conventions of the comic book and anime variety. And it would be, we, 15 of us would get a giant King suite and Ooh. live there all weekend. And that's fun. So I'd bring a home pod for music and stuff. And sure. It was a pain. So having this option now is definitely useful. There are use cases out there. I promise it's not as weird as it sounds. Same for Apple TV. I would bring an Apple TV and we play Jackbox games on the, a hotel TV and uh, stuff like that. So this is definitely useful. And, you know, people in dorms and such will just think about it before now people in dorms just couldn't use an Apple TV. So this is definitely a, a big big deal for those guys if you're haven't used the confirm on apple watch or confirm on iphone for surfing for buying content or on the apple tv that is a game changer that is awesome oh yeah oh yeah it's great yeah yeah and you know speaking of hotel rooms again i actually for for if there's any android listeners out there i actually do have a google chromecast like the newest model that you know comes with the remote and everything i have one of those because i brought that when we would travel even in the last year or so We did a couple like one night, two night deals just as a family. And I brought that because it could supposedly connect to these captive networks. But I will say from experience, trying it at two or three hotels myself, it does not connect to those captive networks easily or at all. The Google Chromecast, it would sometimes make the CAPTCHA thing appear like where you could accept it or whatever, but it would not work consistently. I don't even know if I ever did. I ended up hotspotting from my iPhone. So if the Apple TV actually is able to do this reliably and well to connect to hotel Wi-Fi networks like this, I will drop the Chromecast. The only reason I brought it is because it was lighter, easier. You know, the HDMI connection is built into the Chromecast. But if the Apple TV works with this captive network stuff, 100%, it will now be a travel device if we're going to stay at a hotel or anything. So I will try it, let you all know uh, if it works that well. Also, this is a, a very minor thing, but the new color iPhone came out and there was a bunch of YouTubers that were kind of showing off the new greens. And I will say initially during the event, I didn't think I would like the green colors of the iPhone 13 and 13 Pro, but now seeing all these reviewers do videos of it, I will say the Alpine Green 13 Pro is a very nice green. And I wish that they would have launched that with the other colors back in September. Yeah, I'm not much of a green person, but I know a lot of people in the military will appreciate this color. Oh, yeah. It's really dumb, but it's it, it just came to mind that it would be really funny if people bought this phone specifically because St. Patrick's Day is... I totally forgot about St. Patrick's Day. It was also interesting because last year, this is now the second year, I believe, that Apple has released a new color mid-cycle right. of the iPhone last year. The iPhone 12 got the lavender color at the spring loaded event. This year, it's not only the iPhone 13 regular, but also the Pro model. This is the first time the Pro model got a new color mid-cycle. And while I'd like this, I think, I'm glad Apple is doing more colors. I really want all these colors available on launch because I I get the phone on launch. I I like this green. So if they do future colors mid-cycle, it's going to be, I don't know, it's going to be tempting. I mean, but the problem is if you're on the iPhone upgrade plan, there's not really any option to change colors mid-cycle. Like there's no return option. You can't upgrade mid-cycle. So I can't get this. Off topic, but uh, speaking of springing and forward, uh, did you hear the news that we are finally murdering daylight savings time? Okay, now wait a minute. I saw that the Senate approved the bill, but is it like official official no, 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 no. It, there's still another like whatever to go through uh how, yeah. I, I, house confirmed it or whoever does it first confirmed it and the second group have to still do it but 
it was a unanimous vote. Not one person raised their hand. Uh, I, I believe if they did, they would have been thrown out of a window promptly. So I, I think this is going to go through and it goes into effect November 2023. So I did see some people concerned in the tech world, just to make this a, a tech adjacent, uh, of like what happens to computers uh that are all like you know time is very important to a lot of computers and a lot of the ways that they work and think about you know someone who operates a website trying to show you the correct date and time something released and calculating what time it was at that day and, and bringing into account whether or not daylight savings time exists it's it's gonna be uh something that works automatically so don't worry guys nothing's gonna break but uh no, no. i just thought that was funny that there's people out there i think even like hashtag y2k was trying to trend for a minute there it's just <laughs> my goodness yeah and this was i, I saw a couple like memes like this is the one issue that could unite our political parties here in the United States for the first time. Let's abolish daylight savings. I am totally for it. I was hoping it was going to be enacted now where not even this fall we would have to change again. But listen, if it passes, I'll settle, I'll settle for it. And it was the Senate that approved it right now. So it's going to the House next. So hope so. All right, there was some iPhone 14 Pro leaks. 91 Mobiles actually released some CAD files or posted some images of supposed CAD files of the next iPhone. This CAD file has the pill and hole punch style at the top. So not instead of a notch, it's a pill and hole punch for the face ID and all that. I refer to it as the eye-shaped cutout just to save time and energy. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, it is. Like a lowercase eye. Just to save time. Once you read it once and you see the eye on the pe- you're oh, okay, it's an eye. So if anyone sees on Apple Insider it referred to as an eye-shaped cutout, that was me. <laughs> Very good. It's an interesting look. I mean, you know, it look seems like the next iteration after a notch. One interesting rumor along with this leak, this is from Kuoming Chi, is that the iPhone 14 Pro might be the only iPhone that gets the updated processor this fall, being the A16, and that the iPhone 14 regular line might just get the A15 once again. Could be reasons of supply chain that, you know, Apple's already making A15 chips. They can pump those out at a higher number and so just leave that or it could just be another differentiating factor between the pro and the regular models a15 is plenty fast so the most powerful chip in any phone but it would be the very first time that the iphone lineup distinguished by cpu from the pro and the regular every other year prior it's been the same exact chip a15 bionic this year in both the 13 and 13 pros so yeah i'd be curious if uh, that actually happens this fall would be the first time the cat designs what was interesting about those is it not, yeah sure it confirms the cutout for the 15th time but the rear camera module uh was shown thick uh it, in fact they're right. thicker uh, by the dimensions in the cat design by about what 0. 0.2 uh, millimeters or inches or whatever unit it was using it's thicker than the current module which is the complete opposite of what was rumored before uh, where john prosser said that the iphone would be completely flat on the back so i thought that was interesting right. and the volume buttons are not round they are the current regular shape so and the sim tray is still there there's you know they're not going full e-sim so a lot of the old rumors uh that have been going around seem to have been contradicted with this so it'll be interesting to see what actually happens here i did note on twitter that it, it, it's 
worrying for John Prosser to have two major Apple products, the iPhone and the Apple Watch, both just being complete, utter opposite of what he said is going to happen in a row. Uh, he's gotten a lot of things right. And, that you know, like I said on Twitter, I'm not trying to say like, you know, he should just give up and walk away kind of thing. But uh, I don't know. I think the a lot of these leakers have been a lot more gung-ho about just sharing anything and everything lately. And I've, I feel like there's a lot less nuance than there used to be about is this, you know, substantial? Is this trustable, trustworthy sources type stuff? You know, where is this really coming from? Because a lot of times it's just, especially now, it's we're not even getting a hint of where it's coming from. This is supply chain or whatever. No, it's just right. I, I got a thing from a guy and we made a render about it. The end. Um, and I, I know they're trying to protect their sources, but even if they just gave us a hint, like this is from you know something higher up, this is something from supply chain side, this is something from design side. It's just a little odd to me that we're seeing. The, these kind of things blow up a little bit. So I don't know. What do you think? Do you think uh, we're going to get no camera bump or this slightly thicker camera bump? Oh, I think we'll get a camera bump for sure. I don't foresee a flat phone anytime in the near future. Yeah, no way. From any maker. I mean, just look at the Samsung Ultras. You know, they have it's physics. Huge. Yeah, yeah, it's physics. Even if you do a periscope camera, there's no way you can get it flat, flat. You know what I mean? So no, I don't think it'll be flat. To the whole like leak culture and everything. One, it'll be interesting if John Prosser's flat-sided Apple Watch comes out this fall. So even if he is wrong about the flat. That could that could happen. Yeah. That, that, that could be the Series 8. That is the current like shrug, well, we'll see what happens next year kind of thing. We haven't heard any new rumors about the Apple Watch Series 8 at all since the Series 7 release. So we'll see. Yeah. And to be clear, you know, if listeners aren't familiar, John Prosser did correctly leak AirTag long before it was publicly released. Again, that could have been due to COVID and Apple had to delay it or whatever, but he did leak AirTag successfully, AirPods Max. He defined the Mac Studio uh, by accident uh, without realizing it. We all thought it was the, right. quote, small Mac Pro. I think Ming-Chi Kuo might have been the first to that bat of saying there's going to be a smaller Mac Pro running Apple Silicon. Later, uh, German came out with, you know, that it was going to have uh, a bajillion cores. And uh, Prosser came out with a render showing this very odd shaped Mac Pro right. tower thing, but he did describe it correctly as a, a design like the G4 Cube with the heat sink on top, compute on bottom. And that is all exactly describing the Mac Studio. So, you know, right. Prosser has his moments and he's definitely been correct on big items before, first to bat for big items before. So this isn't going to like say, no, never report on him again. It's just, man, Apple Watch and iPhone, big Apple products, you know, shot himself in the foot on those if he's wrong two in a row, just saying. Well, I also think the pervasiveness of high quality renders has also kind of muddied the water when it comes to leaks. The renders are really fun to see. Again, they do protect sources rather than showing exact pictures that are taken of unreleased devices. Apple Tomorrow, who does renders for Apple Insider, he does an incredible job. Ian Zelbow does those for John Prosser. But I think having so many great renders, it also like looks like real products sometimes and it's like yeah and it's portrayed as like this is the iphone 14 very confidently like you were alluding to it, it, that and it, publisher responsibility here has been a little out of whack too apple insider's done a good job and i'm kind of like uh the guy you know mike taps me on the shoulder and says hey have we heard from this leaker before is, does this sound right or whatever so I, I keep track of all the rumors i'm on top of that stuff for my job and i think we do 
do a pretty good job of keeping things clear of this is, you know, be skeptical about this. This doesn't sound right. Well, we've heard contradictory rumors before. So we've been very clear, but some of these other publications, uh, maybe not in our immediate circle, maybe a little wider, uh, have been less open to being critical and are just saying, this is what the iPhone looks like in, in their title. And it's just like, no, it's not. <laughs> we don't know that. And it's getting a lot very confusing, and I think a lot of Apple fans, especially people who are excited by this stuff and want to keep track of the leaks beforehand, and uh, it's kind of a game for them, and they're getting irritated that there's so many hundreds of Twitter accounts that are all divvying out leaks that they've just made up over the weekend and uh, nobody knows who, what to believe anymore. And I, I wanted to hear from listeners, you know, what you think about the leak culture as it stands now and how you feel about, you know, if you hear about things beforehand, like, you know, the Mac studio, we kind of knew about it, you know, as a small Mac pro before sure ignoring that, but like the Mac studio and studio display leaks that happened Friday and Saturday before the Apple event, that was huge, but also wouldn't have been really cool if we didn't know about it until the Apple event. And yeah, I just want to, I just want to hear what you guys' opinion is of this whole situation that we're in. I mean, even Ming-Chi Kuo is on Twitter sharing his opinions now. And some tech reporters are reporting on Ming-Chi Kuo's tweets as if they're his... Analyst report. His analyst report, yes. And it's it's starting to get really confusing of, all right, is this him just waking up in the morning, sending out a tweet of, I think the next iPhone will be purple and blue. And, <laughs> you know... And then like yeah. he goes to work and writes a serious report for stock people to buy stuff in the stock market and whatever. It's just like, how, how do we differentiate between the two? And are, are we doing a good job at that? You know? Yeah. And another thing I, I think is interesting about John Prosser and he talked about his YouTube channel and in titling his videos, if you look at his YouTube channel, he just puts iPhone 14 in every video title, multiple videos a week. Everything starts with iPhone 14. But John Prosser said on his podcast, if I put iPhone 14 there, I know it will get like over 100K views. And if I do anything else, it won't. It just won't hit. And I think that is also telling of the thirst there is, I guess you could say, for this kind of Apple leak and rumor stuff. Yeah, it's really exciting. I mean, I'm excited about the next iPhone. I'm excited about all the Apple products. But it is interesting how much of a difference there is when you put iPhone 14 in a title and you put literally anything else. I, yeah, I just thought that was an interesting piece of information. John Prosser and Quinn Nelson and people in the, those personalities, they're very open about like they're fighting the algorithm. Yeah. They're out there trying to, they're gaming it because yes, they have their, their people who follow them because they know who they are, but in order to make money and live and eat, they need to be able to get this in front of as many people as possible. So yes, they have to game the system, even if it makes them kind of look like clowns sometimes. And they, they, they knowingly do it just because that that's just how it has to be. I've noticed, yeah, several videos of processors will just be uh important exclusive iphone leak exclamation mark 30 you know just yeah. crazy stuff and then in the video he opens up and says yeah i got nothing on the iphone that the title lied to you <laughs> moving on and yeah and it's just like yeah okay cool i i like i can see why that might make people angry <laughs> but at the same time if you're there to watch the video watch the video but, but it's still working so he's gonna yeah, do it like you clicked which, on it yeah he you know if you think of it as like a business perspective his business is YouTube and making those videos and the views on each video is the current. That is what he is directly correlates to what he has paid. And so if your job says we will pay you, you know, $1,000 if you do this, but only $100 if you do this other thing, you're going to do the thing that gives you $1,000 every time. I'm not, that is not in relation to any amount that, that he might make from a video. I'm just using that as an example. But of course, if putting iPhone 14 
actually works consistently to get those views, I totally understand the motivation for putting it there, good, bad, or otherwise. Yeah, and the people who complain, like, there's too many leaks and I don't like it and I wish, you know, Apple Insider would shut down and never report again, it's just like, because there are people out there that do that, talking to you, Reddit, um, (laughs) it's just one of those things where you're generating the demand you you say i don't want any more leaks and then you're the same person who goes and clicks on the leak and then comments on it you've created demand for the leak i'm sorry it's just that's how this industry works sadly and, and we're stuck in the middle of it it don't you think we would love if we could just go and write about whatever we wanted and say however we wanted to say and just not be at the mercy of these search engines yeah i think anyone who who's in this business would admit that if they don't they're just robots programmed by google but it's just, yeah, it's a it's a messy business, and I think people need to understand. And as long as people are transparent about it, I don't I don't see the issue. Yeah, and I think that's the inside baseball of this, as far as you know, tech news, journalism, YouTube included, is that the job is actually to write and make videos, both expressing our opinion and the information and the news reported, but really doing SEO, search engine optimization. Like that's the actual job part of it. You know, writing about these products comes naturally, having thoughts about them, being excited about them. Like, that's all kind of like the natural part of the job. Steven, no, see that you, you done it. The men in black are coming. That's the secret. You're no one's supposed to know about <laughs> right, SEO. Right. That's the Google doesn't want the world to know about SEO. They don't want they don't want anyone except <laughs> the people writing this stuff to know about it because it, it, it turns into, oh, wait, you mean yeah. that this uh, this Google search I just did showed me results based on who I am as a person. Uh, that's kind of <laughs> weird, right? Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Don't pay, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Right. Uh, yeah. That's uh, done to that. Anyway, I, I just want to touch real quick to wrap it up. We had a couple articles talking about what the rest of 2022 looks like in light of this last Apple event with the studio display and the Mac studio. You know, I don't think we're going to see another Apple event till WWDC. That'll probably be the next big one. I do think we're going to hear about the Mac Pro at that event, maybe even an updated Pro Display XDR. There were some rumors about a 7K XDR update. So I think if we hear about any hardware, it would be that. Otherwise, I don't think we'll hear about an iMac Pro or larger iMac at that event or anything about M2, MacBook Air, anything like that. I think after WWDC, it'll be the fall time, which we obviously will see iPhone 14, Apple Watch Series 8, possibly updated base model iPad. The other devices I think we will see in the fall, AirPods Pro 2, like you were saying, September maybe. (laughs) That's the one device that's super long in the tooth when it comes to Apple's headphones. And then I think the fall time is when we will see that MacBook Air, Mac Mini, and maybe even base model MacBook Pro updated to the M2 or maybe just updated body style wise. There were some rumors that it might just keep the M1 because Apple's just pumping out those M1 chips. It would help with supply constraints rather than having to make another chip in 2022. And so that looks like maybe what the roadmap will be. I don't think we're going to see a new iPad Pro until 2023, honestly. I'd be curious your thoughts on that because it will probably wait for the M2. But that's what I think we'll see for the rest of this year. How, do you have any differing opinions on that? Well, Stephen, I'm going to make a movie reference again. So bear with me. Please. Uh, you've seen 22 Jump Street, right? Yep. Just yep. do it exactly the same as you did the last time. And I'm telling you, <laughs> right. this is this is this is what I've been predicting since I don't know, a few months ago. Apple has no reason 
to rush this and i don't think the chip industry will let them rush it because building new chips is very difficult right now and apple's uh, according to what uh, mark german he said that apple's going to just have five more processors come out in the next 15 months five and millions of computer <laughs> right i'm sorry that just that's insane because he he released a new timeline that said yeah uh, we'll get from m2 this fall to m2 ultra and everything in between by next december no that's insane that's anyway moving on <laughs> that's just wild to me but yes no my my assumption is is apple has this thing in lock uh they're le- they're bleeding edge and uh expecting anything faster is kind of crazy to me because we're already do- we're fine we don't need this we don't need a m2 ultra next month like this is right so mac mini macbook air macbook pro in the fall imac ipad pro in the spring and then macbook pro in the fall next year that's it it's not hard this is it's it's gonna go like clockwork i'm sure apple could squeeze in different updates here and there maybe through it throw a new m1 pro into the mac mini sooner stuff like that could happen but you know be patient guys we're we can't always expect everything to launch at every apple event very good well you can check out that article and all the links to what we talked about in the podcast description and if you haven't yet you can support the show five dollars a month to get an ad-free version early access And you get into our private Discord channel as well. Thank you to everyone who's been leaving five-star ratings and reviews. You can keep doing that. We'll give you shout-outs. And Wes and I's Twitter handles are in the show notes. Reach out to us, your thoughts on anything we talked about this week. And be on the lookout. We'll have some reviews with all the new Apple products like the iPad Air and the Mac Studio coming out in the next week or so. And we'll be talking about our personal experience with those devices very soon. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time.